Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Second Timothy, we're going to read the whole chapter of, uh, of chapter 3, and this is how it starts. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, but understand this, Timothy, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. You know what you should do? You should avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women and burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. Just as Janess and Jambres opposed Moses, so that these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding their faith, but they will not get very far, for their, vo- their folly will be plain to all as it was to those two men. But you, Timothy... You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions I endured happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from the childhood you have been acquainted with all sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped in every good work. Lord, be with us tonight. I know that your spirit's already here, but I ask that you just stir it in such a, a vigorous way that we can catch this groove of your faith and we can learn something tonight in your word. Lord, I ask that you Prepare the hearts of the students that need to hear this tonight. Lord, be with me. Let my words be your words. Let tonight be a night that we grow closer to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Now remember, this is, this is Paul writing this letter to Timothy. And for those of you, this is your first time. This is Paul's last letter, and he's writing Timothy, who is very discouraged right now. And he is discouraged, and we learn in 1 Timothy that he's actually discouraged for a physical reason. He has a physical ailment that he's dealing with on the daily that is just annoying him. It's beating him down. We don't know exactly what it is. I think it's a stomach issue. Uh, but I don't, we don't know exactly what it is, but it's something that's so frustrating, and he doesn't seem to be able to get over it. That's, that's the physical hurt, but then there's the spiritual hurt. He has a little church hurt. Anybody been a little church hurt before? And what's happening with the church is that some of these people that he is leading and he's trying to grow in the name of Jesus, what he has noticed is that they're starting to follow some prophets and disciples and, and some of these false teachers that are teaching them a different truth than what Jesus taught or Paul has taught. 
And Timothy is, is down, he's downtrodden. And here's the irony of the situation. Is Paul is the one that is, is bringing up Timothy. And Paul is, is the one who's in prison. Paul is literally in the place that, that's probably hell on earth, right? Like he is literally in prison, and he is the one that is trying to uplift Timothy. It's not Timothy saying, hey, Paul, keep your head up, bro, all right? Your teachings are great, and you're still, I mean, you're, we're still thriving from all the things that you've taught us. No, 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 it's, it's flipped. It's, it's Paul saying, listen, like you can do this. Like, be encouraged. Like, here's some fundamentals that you need to remember, but know the, know, the, the, know the race that you are running right now. He's saying, keep the faith. Because Paul's like, listen, I have tasted all that the world has to offer. I was, I was a high official. I was loved by many in my realm. And they, they threw everything that the world could throw at me. And, I, and, and I, I was very high up. But listen, nothing compares. Nothing compares in this world what I have tasted from Jesus. And I can be in the depths of this prison, chained up to this nasty security guard. I can be in this place with no comfortable laying position, like no firm mattress, okay? And I can still say that the goodness of God is better than anything that this world can offer, and it's stronger than any persecution that you are facing right now. If Paul's life and testimony has told us anything, students, it's told us this, is that when you suffer right, you will have more peace than when you suffer wrong. Anybody ever suffered wrong before, right? You did the wrong thing, did the bad thing, and you suffered the consequences for it, right? But if you ever suffered right, you know that there's a peace that comes with it. There's a joy that is unimaginable. And he's writing this, young, this, this letter to young Timothy, <clears throat> And he's trying to give some last statements. We, we got just a couple statements left before he actually ends his letter. And he's encapsulating this chapter 3 with this overarching idea that the last days are near. That the last days are near and we are about to see Jesus rising from the east. And I don't know about you, but how crazy is it that we land on chapter 3 with everything that is going on in this world right now. I have had multiple people ask me this question, Brent, with what's going on with Israel right now? Is this prophecy? Like, is this, is this what's going on? Have y'all thought about that? Anybody thought about, like, man, is this, like, this is getting kind of biblical over here, right? Has anybody not thought about that, right? Okay, two people answered this whole group. I love it. Do you love the OU Sooners, right? Oh, oh my gosh, there we go. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. You got to preach at me, okay? All right, don't be scared out there. Now, y'all probably wondering, like, what's my idea with what's going on in the world right now? Like, is this biblical prophecy? Is this what's is this, is this it? Is this the last, like, is this the end times? Here's my answer. I say, I say, is this prophetic yes and let's see okay because in a general sense this is prophetic because in the end times one of the the stamp marks that the end times is happening is that there will be wars and rumors of wars so generally yes I, 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 I truly believe that but the last but the 
let's see if this is the specific wars and rumors of wars of end times. Because in the Bible it says, it says this, that the Magog will join Persia and they will fight Israel. All right? So Magog is, is the army of the north will join Persia and then they will fight Israel. So that's what the biblical prophecy is. What do you think the army of the north is? Russia. That's the only thing that I can make sense of. What have we heard a lot about in the last six years? Russia, right? What do you think modern day Persia is? It's Iran. Has to be to me because I'm such a biblical scholar, right? But if Russia joins Iran and they fight Israel, I think we should get our ears perked up. And if you got chills over your arms right now, it's because it just got real for you, did it not? Like, when I say that, that it could be, it could very well be the signs of the end times. So what does that mean for where we're at today? I think the reality of what Paul is saying is the last days can happen at any moment. Are you prepared for them? Like, are you prepared for it? Like, are you ready for if this is the last days to come? Because in the last days, he is saying, like, like we can't really worry about all the, 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 the prophecies and all that, but you can worry about you. Like, you can worry about where you are at in this world and who you are and what you represent. And if you are walking in the, in the way that you are supposed to be walking, and what, what Paul is trying to explain to Timothy is tell these people, listen, these are some people that you shouldn't be, and then there's a person that you should be. There's three different types of people groups that, that Paul is trying to illustrate here, that, that if this, this is the end times, you've got to understand, they're going to look these certain ways, but there is a way that you need to be looking. The first way that, that Paul highlights, the first people group that Paul highlights is what I call fake people. These are the people groups that list out the, what, the 19 or 20 things, the people that are lovers of self, lovers of money, pride, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. All of these people that he's listing, this is the fake people that he is talking about here. And if I were, and, and what does he say to do with people like this? He's saying these are the people that, that everything looks good. Like everything looks good to them. Uh, maybe on the outside, uh, it looks like they're going to church. Uh, they might even do the Lord's Supper like you've never seen the Lord's Supper done before, right? Super holy sip. Like these guys got it. Like they understand how to do the thing that makes them look like they are following Christ. But then you watch them and you realize what they're saying isn't matching up with exactly what they are doing. And Paul says, avoid these people. Now, I think at face value, I mean, there's no question, I, I, I do believe there are people that know that they are this person. I do. That they know that they are, they are putting on that cloak of what it could look like to be a Christian but they are 100% absolutely lovers of self. 
They're lovers of money. They're difficult. They're abusive. They're, they're disobedient. They're unholy. I, I think that at face value, I think you know not to be that person, right? I think you understand it. I don't think that we have to preach at that any minute. Uh, any, anymore. I think you understand what you're not supposed to be. But the thing is, is like, I was like, Lord, do you want me just to harp on this and, 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 and just make them, like, just bleed them dry on this situation? He goes, no. He goes, look at verse 5. Why don't you focus on verse 5? And it says this. This is just one of the 19 or 20 things that he says, but these people in the last days that are fake, they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny his power. Now, we might not have these other qualities in our life, but my question to us, be honest with yourself here. How many of us have the appearance of godliness, but we are denying his power in our life? You go to church, you go, you go to your small group, you, you, you come to crossover and, and you know who Jesus is and you know what he has done and, and, and you know even what he can do for you right now, but you are still operating in your own power. You are not operating in his power. Like you tracking with me? Like, like you might not be the super devious person that, that he's highlighting here. Like really trying to say these are some of these devious people. You might not be blatantly going out of your way to say, no, I just disown the power of God and I'm, I'm going to live this way instead. No, I don't think that is all that, Timothy, or all that what Paul was talking about. I think what he's saying is the more dangerous person, especially since this is the last thing he talked about. The more dangerous person is the one who is open, who is, who is open about not going against God. It's those who say that they are for God and never rely on his power. Now, what does that look like for college students in 2023? Like, 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 how can we contextualize this? And I'm like, Lord, just give me, give me something for them to be able to see. And the only thing that I could understand and, and I could see is, is how do we handle fear? As a college student in 2023, how do we handle our fear? I think how we handle our fear illuminates our proximity to Jesus. I think some of us, we fear too much. And you say that you're sold up to Jesus, but you still operate constantly in a state of fear. You fear the future. You fear failure. You fear about being lonely, right? It's like, am I, am I going to be single the rest of my life? Anybody have that fear? Come on, be honest, right? Lord, please. Lord, what do I need to do to get a date around here, please? All right. Gosh. Listen, there's a lot of godly girls in here that are literally like, listen, I just want someone to ask me on a date. We don't have to be boyfriend and girlfriend right now. Like, let's just get to see, let's just get to see if, if this would work. All right, let's just go on a coffee date for goodness sakes. All right? Girls are like, nah, uh, mm mm. This is a true test of faith for us students because at the end of the day, 
we are not to operate in the place of fear, but we are to give those fears to God and let God take care of it and let Him be able to operate in His power and His glory to take our fears away and for Him to be able to take care of us. But if you operate in fear consistently in your life, the question you need to ask yourself is, why do I operate in fear consistently in my life? Because if God, if we know his word, if God is here to help us, if he's here to defend us, if he's to work out all things for our good, for those who love the Lord, if he's here to give you comfort and joy, if he's here to be able to give you power because he wants to do so, why are you not letting the power of God overcome your fear. Students, the reality of the situation is it might be because your fear has taken the throne of your heart where faith is supposed to be. And you're operating in the fear and you're not operating in faith. And why do you think that these people should be avoided that Paul is saying here? Because these people who, now I don't think he's saying avoid them directly. I'm saying like these shouldn't be your ride or dies. These shouldn't be your five closest friends. But the reason why they shouldn't be in your inner circle is because they know who God is. But they don't trust him enough to give them control over their life. I think there are those who fear too much. But then I think on the flip side of that, there are those who fear too little. Those who fear too little are college students who say that, that, that I'm a Christian, but I dabble. Everybody say dabble. But I dabble on the other side of the fence. Some of us are dancing over there. Let's just be honest. Um, when I was in college, I had a buddy named Ryan Wimpy. That's an unfortunate last name. <clears throat> and Wimpy, uh, that's what we called him. Uh, Wimpy fell in love with a, a girl named Rachel, and uh, she was a good, godly girl, and he was not a, a Christian at all. And um, during their year, year and a half stint, they had a moment of weakness, a couple moments, moments of weakness, and she actually just felt guilty. She felt shameful. She knew that she was better than this, and she broke up with Wimpy. Because she's like, listen, I need a good godly guy that can push me closer to Jesus, not pull me away from him. And it leveled the dude. Leveled the dude so bad. So me and my buddy Cheech, we're like, listen, like, listen. I love Cheech. Miss that dude. We're like, we're holy. All right? We're going to grab our Bibles, and we're going to go lead Ryan to Christ. Okay? Dude hasn't been out of his room for five days. We walk in there, guys, and when I say, like, food was just everywhere, ants were crawling over it, like, the stench, the dude hasn't showered in five days. He was depressed, all right? I, I opened my Bible, it probably had about five months of dust on it, and I was like, Wimpy, we're going to tell you why you need Jesus right now. And for the next five, ten minutes, me and Cheech were just machine gunning it. Like popcorn, like, hey, this is why you need Jesus. This is what this scripture says. He says, this, this is what your scripture says. And Wimpy gets up out of his bed. I remember, he's in his boxer. Sorry if that's TMI. And he starts huffing and puffing, like straight up. I mean, he's starting to get like, like roid rage over here. 
He gets his finger and he puts it in our face and he says, why should I follow Jesus? You say that you're a Christian. You say that you love Jesus. If this God has saved you, then why do you act the way that you do? You talk like me. You walk like me. You cheat on your test just like I did. We cheated the week before. He goes, Cheech, listen, I know your girlfriend is coming out of your dorm room the same time that my girlfriend was coming out of my dorm room those, those mornings, and they were giving each other high fives on the way out the door. Like, who do you think that you are any better than me saying that I should follow Christ when you don't follow Christ? Brent, you, you walk around with a big old fat dip in your lip most of the time. Why would I try to be a Christian if you're not even acting like a Christian? And bro, the dude just went down the line. And I'm sitting there, Cheech is sitting there, we just got beat up, like spiritually, mentally, physically. He hops back in bed and we're like, well, you need Jesus. <laughs> like we walked out the door. It's not funny, not funny. Can I be honest with you? It, it wrecked me. Like that was a wake up call for me because at that moment I realized something is that I feared God too little because I was starting to look like a person who didn't follow Jesus. And I had, I had no witness. I, and, and Ryan was able to point out everything that me and Cheech had been living. And students, I want you to know that I'm not talking at you. I'm talking with you. I've been there. And those who fear Christ too little are people that say that they are Christ's followers, but they are not following Christ. And here's the test if you fear, too, fear God too little. And now, I want you to know about fear. Fear is an honor, a reverence, a respect to an almighty God that you can't comprehend, but you know that he loves you and he holds the universe in his hands. Like, that's the God, and you're in awe of that. That God sent his son to die for me, and I love him, and I fear him, but I, but I respect him, and I want to be with him. That's the fear that I'm talking about. And here's the litmus test for this. What is the sin in your life that is not honoring to God that you're not willing to get rid of? Like it could be one of these 19 things, sure. Like for college students, I can't tell you that the weekend life, like I mean... I've had hundreds of conversations about like, man, I just, this is what me and my friends do. This is how we do the weekends. It could be a sexual sin. It could be how you talk. It could be how you walk. It could be how you treat others. It could be your pride, your anger. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, if you're not willing to eradicate it from your life, to repent of it, to turn away from it, if you're not willing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus, then the fear of God is too small in your life and the sin in your life is way too big. And can I just let you in on a little secret? In verse 8, it talks about two men. And these two men were actually the magicians that went against Moses when he was trying to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And these two magicians tried to go against Moses who had God on his side. And they tried to do everything to combat Moses and tried to, try to, they threw their staffs down, they turned into snakes, and Moses threw his staff down and it killed both of them. It was, just, it was just a war and a battle between these magicians. And 
what happened is Moses' faith, because he had God on his side, it exposed how little their faith were. And that's what Paul is trying to say as like, they were only able to go so far until their folly was exposed. Students, you will only be able to go as far as the Lord is willing to let you go as far, but then your faith will be exposed. And I know some of you right now, you are terrified of your lack of faith being exposed. And I'm, I'm asking you, like my faith was exposed by Ryan Wimpy and it was humbling and it was, and, and me and Cheech have still talked about it later on after that even happened. We're like, man, that was a turning moment in my life. My faith was exposed and it was, God was saying, you cannot do it this way anymore. You must turn from it and trust with me. Listen, students, I'm begging you, make that moment not happen in your life. Like, don't have a moment where your folly is exposed and how weak you are and how sinful you are and God kind of has to conjure up some things in your life to expose you. Don't do that. Let it happen right now. You know what, God, I don't want to have one of those times. I want to be able to walk in your faith right now. Students, make God big in your life right now so you don't have to have your lack of faith exposed. Listen, you know your life is a testimony of who God is. And if you live a life that's not living in reverence and humble fear of God, your life is preaching a different message than the Bible says as a follower of Jesus Christ should look like. You are telling the people that are watching you that you do not die to yourself, that you are not renewing your mind daily, that you have not picked up your cross and following Jesus. And what happens is that you're showing non-believers that they don't need Jesus to have an eternity with Him and that they can continue in their way of life and be no different because you are no different. But on the flip side, as we see here, people who are walking this way and they have a cloak, what they can also do is they can make weaker Christians who are living in sin, continue to live in sin and not ever allowed to be a vessel to be used by God. So the first one is don't be fake. We don't want to be fake people. But what do the fake people do? Then they find weak people. He also gives us another warning in verse 6. These fake people, they go and capture these weak women who are burdened with many sins and led astray by various passions always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. See, during this day and age, many of the men would, they were the ones that were the religious elites. They were the ones that were close to each other, growing in the words. They were growing in, in, in their circles and learning uh, prophecy, learning scripture, uh, while the women were actually ones that were actually um, spiritually lacking because they didn't have this. It wasn't built up in their time. And what would happen is that these fake prophets and apostles, they would come in and they would preach this unnatural truth. And then they, these women, they would actually start following because like, man, that actually sounds pretty good. Like, that sounds right. That sounds good. That sounds, sounds like we can be this. And they, they would be spiritually weak and they would learn these things but they would never arrive to the truth because what they were learning was fake and it wasn't true. It said these women were burdened with sins and they were led away by various passions. And I'm just wondering, like spiritually weak women, and, and, and I'm, I'm like, listen, I, I understand that. 
My question is, is are we spiritually weak Christians and can we be swayed and turned to and fro by whatever preacher or teacher or student tells us whatever which way? And I just wondered, like, what lies are we believing right now that leads us to sin and leads us away because maybe we're passionate about it, maybe, I don't know, and I was just wondering, can we say right now that we are children of God when the things of this world gives us more joy than the Savior of the universe? Like, can we say that? Can some of us say that we get more joy from God than we do from this world? Well, Brent, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true for my life. Then my question is, is how come your life looks more like the world than it does Christ? How come you talk like the world, you dress like the world, you party like the world, and then you say, man, I'm sold out, I'm God-fearing, I'm God-loving Christian, but everything about you just screams the world. It doesn't scream Jesus. See, these women probably said that they were followers of Jesus too, but they weren't. They were fooled into thinking it was okay to continue in the sin as long as they were professing Christ. Students, listen, that's a dangerous road to go down. And we don't need to trust this lie anymore because the truth is, is when you follow Jesus, listen, this is a non-negotiable. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Bible says you're supposed to take off your old self and you're supposed to put on your new righteous self. You are supposed to become a new creation, walking like, talking like, loving like Jesus, constantly pursuing Jesus, constantly being like Jesus. You will pray with Jesus. You will talk with Jesus. You will walk with Jesus. You will trust Jesus. And this, and listen, you will let the word of truth guide your life. Those are the non-negotiables. Those are the non-lies. Anything else uh, beyond that is a lie. We are supposed to be connected with Jesus, and he is supposed to be the source of our life. We don't need to be weak, students. Let us not be fooled. We have to know the word of God in order to be able to survive this world and be able to not be weak and be manipulated when lies come, how much time are you spending in the Word of God? you got to know the Word of God so you cannot be a weak Christian. But what should we be, Paul talks about? What should we be if the end times are here and, and, and we are supposed to be this type of people? It says it in verse 12 through 15. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and postures go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continuing what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I think one of the hardest truths in the Bible is simply this, is that if you want to live with Jesus and for Jesus, and you desire to live a godly life in Jesus, you will be persecuted. That's one of the hardest scriptures for us to really take in. Now, I think that persecution can look different for all of us. For some of us in here, it might just be made fun of, right? 
Like, I know some of the frat guys in here, if you turn your life for Jesus, you're going to be different, and you're probably going to get made fun of. I understand that. And I know that sounds little, but it's actually probably big for your life, because your frat life is all that you do know right now. Some of you, you might get made fun of on social media. Some of you, you might get kicked out of your friend groups. Some of you, let's kick it up a couple notches. Let's go varsity here. Some of you might actually lose your family members because they are celebrating a whole other God. And if you even talk about Jesus, they're probably going to denounce you from their family. What I would say is that many of us don't lay everything down for Jesus because we are scared of persecution and we're scared of the struggle that we'll face if we choose Christ. But I would love to flip that. How will you ever know what Christ is capable of in your life if you never give him a chance to show you? What's the old saying? A faith that's not tested is a faith not trusted. And how can you trust your, your faith if you've never put your faith to the test? That's what Paul is saying, is remember what you were taught. Remember what you had learned. Remember that you can trust in this living, breathing Scripture that is breathed out by God. And, and it's for your teaching, for your reproof, for your correction, for your training in righteousness. Remember these things because they will point you to one thing that you need to trust God and trust God with everything. Some of us in here, students, I know you're 19 to 24 years old. Some of you in here right now, you have a knowledgeable truth of God. I, I know it. You know who God is. You know what he has done for you. But you are lacking experiential truth with God. You have, you're still lacking, like, I want to have more experiences with God. The only way to have that type of experience and that relationship is, is that you have to live a godly, sold-out life for Him. Because all those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. But listen, students, and I beg that you hear this. Persecution doesn't make you weaker. It makes you more aware of who God is and how much He can provide for you. Because when you step out on that faith and when you say, you know what, I'm going to live sold out for you. I'm going to be the person that you want me to be. You can experience Jesus because you are relying on Jesus to get you from where you're at to where you need to be with him. If you want to experience Jesus, you've got to quit doubting your faith. Then step up in that one area right now. Just think about it. Lord, where, where am I not being godly at? And why am I not being godly? Why am I, what am I afraid of? And I'm afraid of being persecuted how? Or I'm, I'm afraid of lacking what? Or I'm afraid of what friends are going to step away? Or what friend group I need to step away from? Where am, I, where am I not stepping into faith right now? Where am I not being godly at? I beg you to step into it. Because at that moment is when you can see Jesus and you can allow Jesus to, to come and comfort you. You can allow Jesus to bring you friends. You can allow Jesus to, to, to strengthen you, maybe to encourage you. Maybe some of y'all, you're just right now being stagnant in your faith. But I'm saying step up, be the person that God wants you to be, and let Jesus be Jesus in your life. 
He promises to never leave you and forsake you. He promises that he will be your God. And at that moment, he will provide the very thing that you need at the right time, at the right place, and you will know it's from him. Listen, students, do you want to know how to quit having doubt of your faith? Then start living your faith. Start growing in your faith. Step up and do these things, and I promise you, yeah, it might be hard, it might be difficult, but you will have an experience with Jesus. That's the person that we need to aim to be. We gotta be sold out, God-fearing people. Someone who trusts Jesus daily with their life and daily with their needs.